Welcome in to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, where every single day, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, it is a big deal to me, Jay Kyle Mann, senior video producer for The Ringer, and it's also a big deal to my co-host, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just keep setting new records for Sharp how late. Sharp one fifteen a.m. as we're Woo! recording this. Firing on all cylinders. I think you're going to get our very best analysis tonight. No, you definitely are. This is usually when I say the, the craziest stuff, the wildest theories come I out at this point. I don't know if you can beat dog penis, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll certainly try. You could beat a dog penis, but you'd go to jail. <laughs> oh, man. Right off the bat. <laughs> oh, God. I gotta swallow my own face. Uh, oh my wake, god! Wake my wife up with that one. Uh, so, so yeah. Today we got a few things to talk about. None of which involve Nico Mannion or his nicknames. Thankfully, uh, we, it's we the enjoy- Red Mamba. By the way, not we the enjoyed red- the reaction to that. <laughs> not, that was totally a Kyle. It was totally a Kyle um, Tucker. That is, I guess, on this show you have to specify. So uh, today we're gonna. We both just got done watching the Clippers. Lakers game. There was, uh, you know, some UK alumni uh, around that game. Well, one in particular, notable. And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, an article that Kyle wrote for the Athletic about Keon Brooks. Uh, going to talk about a video I made about De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think that's, that's it, right? That's about it. Yeah, we may yeah. meander some other places, but yeah. So that game just ended. Davis. Uh, Davis kind of starting to, you know, just settling into his chemistry with LeBron a little bit. Uh, what would you would you take away from that? Well, it looked great in the first half. Um, really struggled in the second half. Couldn't didn't get a lot of great looks. LeBron was they were kind of forcing the issue. They were posting him up like nonstop. Um, LeBron turned it over four or five times trying to feed it to Anthony Davis in the post. Um, but you know. Uh, First game, um, they're not, they're still not what they're going to be, um, obviously. But um, they got some things to work out. They got, I mean, they got a monster game from Danny Green, just a monster game. Seven of yeah. nine from three at twenty-eight points. You know, you can't probably count on that every night. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, making the point to you that uh, it's it's pretty amazing that he ended up being the best NBA player from that two thousand nine. Uh, North Carolina team that was so good with Tyler Hansbro and Wayne Ellington and a bunch of pros. I mean, yeah, Ty Lawson ended up really amazing. good college team. Yeah, um, uh, Ed Davis too, actually. Um, but would you believe this? But uh, I I knew Danny Green was going to be good back then. Would you believe me if I told you that? Uh, that was one of my hills. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh I yeah, mean, yeah. I believe it. You you were pretty sharp. Uh, well, I wasn't, you know, looking for that kind of a, but you know, uh, it's, I'm, I'm unsure about the Lakers. I have been for a while. We don't have to stay on this very much, but uh, I think they're going to figure it out. Like, I mean, with LeBron, I think we're talking about one of the smartest playmakers, if not the smartest, uh, of all time, uh, guy that can literally play half speed and, and average, absurd numbers well yeah i mean he didn't have a great game tonight he, and he almost had a triple double he had 18 9 and 8 so 
LeBron can play at a different speed from everyone else and, and just do it, uh, as we've discussed here. But they're going to dial it in. I mean, him and Davis. Davis, you know, really smart player, too. Uh, it's going to come along. But, uh, you know, we're going to see more and more NBA guys uh, as the season kind of gears up. And we'll touch base on that kind of stuff. Uh, I was I was kind of wanting to see Davis. Davis settled a few different times for that, like, 18-footer. That's one part of his game that, man, if if he was just like a knockdown shooter from from 18 feet, he would be literally unstoppable. Like if he was a yeah. shooter on the level of like Carl or or Porzingis, he and it's odd because some guys can kind of impersonate that kind of touch, but they but it just kind of doesn't go in. Um, I don't know. That's it's an interesting thing that I mean, he's a good shooter. Not you know, I don't want right. to make it sound like he's not good, but never quite like ascended to the top you yeah. know the top tier 25 10 and five assists by the way tonight for him just to i don't know if we gave his stat line but looked really good in the first half struggled a little bit in the second half guy was guarded by uh patrick patterson a bunch mm-hmm. uh early on especially and then I, I thought one other interesting observation you made uh well for people that are listening to this that are uh we got all our louisville fan listeners because we have so many of those Montrez Harrell, you met, you mentioned Louisville fans were going to be go, going crazy about the way he played. He had 17, 7, and 4. He was really good and had some big plays at the end. But um, Patrick, I'm sorry, not Patrick Patterson. Pat Beverly uh, scored two points in that game and was massively, had a massive impact. Um, he just bothers the hell out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And you noted that that's that Ashton Hagen should just be studying Patrick Beverly and be that guy. That's his model. Yeah. That's a hundred percent his model. He even has the personality to do it. I don't think he's quite the asshole that that Pet Bev is. Yeah, uh, not at all. I don't think, but it needs no. to be. But he does have the like. He's got the crap stirring personality but i don't know that he's quite a jerk in the same way he might mature into that but pat bev pat bev always had that like edge i actually think the lakers should have gone out and gotten beverly but um yeah i think that that's the model for ashton him and you know or like an elford payton type i would much rather see him be a beverly type just really push the limits of what uh what you know what i mean yeah yeah well and think about this so he played 31 minutes. He was one for seven from the floor. He was 0 for five from three, Pat Beverly. He scored two points, and his plus minus was plus 13. <laughs> I mean, he and he just, you know, he, he got uh, he got uh, LeBron James to chicken wing him at one point because he was getting so frustrated, and he just he gets guys so irritated that he gets them really out of their game. I I think he's a fantastic piece for a team that's going to try to play for something so yeah there's a you know if you can really specialize in what and, and he doesn't make like stupid mistakes you know shoots well enough when he has wide open threes and uh, just makes all those little plus plays that add up and make him a, an above average uh well maybe not above average but at least average nba player and a significant contributor on a playoff team so there are paths those are pretty unique you know like guys like beverly aren't yeah, they're, they're few and far between in the NBA that, you know, that you look at his skill set, you look at an Ashton Hagen skill set where you say that guy can make it <laughs> yeah. in the league. And and Ashton's going to have a, you know, he is 
he's going to have a hard time being an NBA player. Um, I think, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have to figure out where his pluses are. And I, I think that, uh, I don't know. Some people, this always happens on Twitter, man, whenever you say something about a player, but I guess that it's just kind of the way it is. If you put something out there or mention someone directly by name, but I'm not like big on snitch tagging. You know, have we ever right. talked yeah, about I this? I hate that when people Somebody like, just tags what do you them? think about this player at player name? Yeah. It's yeah. It's really like, come on, dude. Yeah. But I don't want Ashton to take it the wrong way. You know, he's still a young guy, but uh, I would, I would just, uh, I, I think that's, that's definitely a path for him. Uh, we, let's uh let's take an early break and then we'll we'll go on and talk about uh what we're going to talk about a story that you wrote about keon brooks let's do that the letters from home are back uh people listening hopefully a lot of people read them last year it was one of the first things maybe the first things uh after my like intro uh piece that i wrote that i did for the athletic last summer or i guess or last early fall um, and I think I mentioned this the other day, but if, if people aren't familiar, basically what I do is try to introduce the freshmen in a different way and I do that by having long interviews with their parents and kind of pulling out memories and moments and, um, things that they want to share with their sons about, um, what they remember about them growing up and who they are and advice and, you know, pitfalls to avoid all that kind of stuff. But essentially the premise was if you, you know, you're sending your kid off to college for the first time, uh, what do you want to say to them? And, uh, those were, were really well received last year. And I decided to bring them back again this year. And we are launching those with Keon Brooks, uh, and his dad. And, um, I, I thought he was really interesting. I think Keon's really interesting. Um, that should be up on the athletic now. If people are listening, well, they're definitely listening on uh, Wednesday morning because it's Wednesday morning while we're recording. But yeah, uh, we got to do this earlier. Yeah, um, you're gonna be able to listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> people are gonna be a, getting up a few up hours we after finish. we finish. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, sort of the way the letter starts without giving up too too much away is his dad basically told told me that. Um, when he was in like third grade, just to kind of keep him active um, in sports like year round, he, he tried him in everything. Uh, Keon was playing baseball and he wasn't very good and he was on a really bad team and he hated baseball. Um, and then one day his dad got him uh, invited to join the Indy Rising Stars, this, this AAU team for third, fourth graders uh, in Indianapolis. They live in Fort Wayne. Um, there was really no competition for Keon even then uh, in Fort Wayne. And so he tells him, you know, we got you onto this travel team in Indy, some of the best players in the state. And he's like, ah, dad, I think I want to play baseball. <laughs> um, and it, he basically said the gist of it was he was afraid of the challenge. Uh, he didn't yeah. know if he was good enough. So he thought he'd just stick with baseball as his out to having to go instead of having to go be on this travel team. And that was, that was basically the one and only time uh, that he found Keon to be unsure of himself. Uh, and ever since then, he's really, his dad took an active role in trying to kind of raise the bar. Um, they played him up a couple age groups for a while, and then they put him on these travel teams. They took him all over to, you know, took him to New York to these youth camps and competed against the best people in the country. 
Um, you know, he played three years at this um, high, relatively small high school in Fort Wayne, where his dad was an assistant coach, and his his dad said he was the be- the the dad himself was the best competition that Keon got every day uh, in practice. Mm-hmm. He would he would lace up and play against his son to try to push him, but he's too old for that. Uh, and so then they sent him to La Lumiere, uh, you know, nationally ranked. They may have been number one at one point uh, in high school basketball last year. And they obviously had Isaiah Stewart and a lot of other high-level guys. So, I, you know, after three years of no competition at this small high school in Fort Wayne, uh, practicing it against his dad to try to get decent competition, they sent him to La Lumiere, and that was kind of the last example of um, trying to raise that bar on him and just always make him strive um, to uh, achieve more, to compete against you know the best. Um, and, and obvious, the obvious sort of end game there is is in his college decision. He chose Kentucky, which we we hear talked about a lot from Calipari and other people. Um, the the now kind of cliche line, and it's not for everybody, but it's really true. Um, and I think if you follow the the arc of Keon Brooks from basically third grade uh, to now, it's not all that surprising that he ended up choosing Kentucky and sort of saying, "I want, I want to go to the hardest place where there's the most competition." I mean, Keon Brooks would start for almost any, maybe every other team in America. Yeah, um, definitely and, the mid, definitely the low majors, mid majors, and you know most of the high majors. He would. and at Kentucky, it's not a guarantee because you know there's at the four there's competition, at the three there's a lot of competition. Um, you know, Khalil, I, I'm I kind of don't think Brooks will start. So um, you think kinda, Whitney will start over? I just just knowing Calipari. Um, I think the way that Whitney's going to defend and just that kind of raw uh, physical stature and athleticism, even though Brooks is a terrific athlete, he's a little more slight of build. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Calipari's MO just leads me to believe, you know, over after fo- watching him make roster decisions for the last eight years, it feels like Whitney will at least initially be the starter. But, um, you know, Keon welcomed all that and so the, the letter is really a lot about that his dad just talking about watching his confidence grow watching him embrace the idea of challenges um and obviously take on the biggest one yet here um also interesting he kind of like blew really kind of blew off the idea that indiana was ever really that b- big of a poll mm-hmm. like he you know didn't feel all that much pressure to stay in state but Michigan State was a, a major factor. They really liked Tom Izzo and that relationship there. He seems uh, like a Michigan State. Type yes, of guy. he does. Like a guy who would go there and play for three years. And you know who he could be similar to? I just thought about this: Brandon Dawson that played for Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, and that would be. I mean, I think Kentucky would would and should be thrilled if that if he turned out to be that good college player. Didn't really do much past that, but yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a great. A great comp if if it were true, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, hope people will check that out. Um, like I said, I want to give give a all of it away, but there's you know just some interesting stuff about um, him growing up and what made him him. Um, also, the, a couple really interesting anecdotes about um, what a really bright kid 
intellectual kid Keon Brooks is. Uh, he is probably smarter than me and you, <laughs> or at least me. Maybe not you, but uh, he's uh, he's he super probably bright, is so. both of us. I would I would guarantee he's smarter than both of us. If, and, you, if you listen to the podcast, if yeah, that was exactly. Your reference, yeah, it really comes out in interviews too. I haven't I haven't talked to him a bunch of times, but um, when I have talked to Keon Brooks, it just He's not like a lot of the freshmen that come to Kentucky, certainly not in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought his quotes were really like kind of deep and insightful and uh, went well beyond the surface level. You know, in, it's rare that these young guys can like talk about their teammates with any depth, and I, he, he could do that. I, I was really impressed. And if you read the letter and some of the stories in it, you'll understand maybe a little more why that is so. He's an interesting kid. Seems like he's got a really good dad, and uh, I really I love doing these letters. They're fun because um, I get to get get to know both the kids and their parents in a in a way that I haven't really before. Does he come from a big family or a small family, or what's there? Does he have any siblings that were athletes, or was his dad an athlete? Uh, I think his dad is. I mean, not in any kind of high level, but uh, they. Uh, I really don't know about his siblings. I didn't even ask about his siblings because uh, I'm sort of kind of narrowly focused on his growing up, but there was really no mention of it. So uh, let's see, Keon Rook's bio. Um, but they're both Keon. It's Keon Sr. and Keon Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yes, he does. He has three brothers. I guess I should have known that. But uh, wow. wow, Darius, Darius, Darian, and Carrion. <laughs> Carrion? Yeah. Really? K K yeah, not like uh, like uh, carcass, yeah. right? Is that what? You, isn't it's that basically what, a carcass, right? Yeah, yeah. it's spelled K A R I O N. Maybe it's Gary. Yeah, I guess it's uh, yeah. It's I don't know, but yeah. Oh well. Yeah, his dad, I'm sorry. His dad played at Wright State, so he. I he, wondered. He did wondered. play a little college basketball. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he played everything too. He played. He played baseball, football, uh, basketball, and soccer. His dad up. did. No, or the kid, Keon no, did. No, Keon did. They they were like really wanted him to be involved, kind of in everything. So that can be good because that can work out some of your, you know, some of your certain sort of I don't know what the term would actually be, but just your exercise the co- different coordination sort of skill sets and types and things like that. Like, uh, I don't, I know they say, you know, soccer is really good for bigger guys with their like rhythm and a lot of the movements and the patterns in soccer are really similar. Uh, I, I like whenever I hear that a big guy played soccer, uh, it doesn't always mean that it's a, it's a sure thing, but, uh, yeah, everybody go read that story. That's on the athletic, uh, and there's going to be more of those to come. We'll take one more break and, uh, then we're going to finish up talking uh, a little bit about a video that I put out today and perhaps more. So today, as we were saying tonight, was sort of the kickoff, not sort of, it was literally the kickoff of the NBA season and all day uh, on the ringer and all over the internet, they were doing, you know, NBA preview type stuff leading up to the games. Um, Today I did, I put out a a video about De'Aaron Fox's development and uh, just sort of what's going on with him at the Kings, where he is as a player, um, what what it's going to take for him to become an all-star. Uh, to ascend to that level, um, and 
kind of go into there's some stuff in there that's going to be really familiar to Kentucky fans in my opinion um, sort of where where I ended up was Fox is it, it was a tough thing because when I got to the end of grading him out I was like he's not really bad at anything. Like he's not glaringly terrible at anything. Cause coming out of college, like coming out of college, what, what do you remember your sort of vibe on Fox being? What what was my vibe on him coming out? Well, just his, like what like needed, what, was good at this. If you were telling somebody in an elevator in t- 10 seconds about the Aaron Fox, what was your, what oh, would have been your pitch? Uh, I mean, you know, fast as hell i mean i think everybody's description of him starts there um needs to shoot it better um well i guess i'd say what decent defender um Mm -hmm. i mean just i just i guess great at getting to the rim great at getting it to his teammates off the dribble uh needed to be a better shooter needed to be probably a little better defender yeah. So, I mean, he's coming for Kentucky fans that haven't checked in on him in a while. The Kings, you know, they're not on national TV a whole lot. So you have to kind of go seek it out. Uh, but Fox has become a pretty good shooter. He's not bad. Uh, like he he's actually like around a 37 percent three point shooter now. Uh, but as just a catch and shoot three point shooter, he's he's pretty good. Like uh, he's he's got to the point where and he always looked the part, you know, that was one thing about Fox that always stood out to me. It was never broken. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always had really, you know, he, he, he always had sort of a fluid load up and and his his mechanics look good. Everything looked balanced. It was soft. Uh, but yeah, he's he sort of differs from the other like power super athletic point guards and Cal has had a lot of these guys, you know, like, and usually what ends up happening is, uh, for whatever reason, when those guys are younger, I guess that they are so explosive that they just develop these habits that kind of hang around in their games until they get older, you know, like Derek Rose, John Wall, um, Colin Sexton, you see this a little bit with him or Russell Westbrook where they just go so fast all the time and, and they're so strong and so used to getting to the rim that, uh, this is just my theory that they, they're never forced to adapt. You know, they never get just uh, shut off and hit a wall where they they're like, well, this isn't working anymore. And once they get to the NBA, it's like, you know, you got to start to develop some of those things. And for Fox, uh, he's he's probably the best shooter of those super athletic point guards, I would say, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, becoming better. And I just talk about a lot about him managing his speed. Um, he's. Just the amount of footage of De'Aaron Fox getting fouled in transition is hysterical. <laughs> like it's it's incredible. It took me. Well, but well, I mean, what else do you do with him if you're if you're even attempting to defend him in transition but foul him? I, I, it's it's kind of all you can do. It really it really is like uh, I, you could put like the curb your enthusiasm music over it. Like whenever <laughs> the, and and he did it in so many different ways, man. Like it, it was every single s- situation you could think of. Like there's a short miss shot, he's getting in transition. There's a long miss shot, he's getting in transition. There's a made shot. Those are the most impressive ones. Is uh, a team will score and Sacramento was trying to go quick. Like they're trying to get it out because their whole team was fast. You know they're. Their right. slowest guy was Willie, and Willie could run. Right. So they'd get it out, and Fox would beat everybody down the floor, and they're just scrambling, trying to st- you know get in his way, stop him. And, and even against good teams, 
um, that would like hit a wall at some point, but um, with, with better teams that could defend transition and keep the Kings out of transition. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty fun. He got fouled at, he, he was near the top of the league. I'm pretty sure he was like 99th percentile at his position in terms of getting fouled in transition. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, uh, I would venture to guess maybe like actual possessions in transition. He was probably pretty close to the top of the league too. Just being a, just having the ball in that scenario more than most people. Oh yeah. They want, I mean, they, they knew what they had. He wasn't like terribly efficient. And I, and one of the points I bring up in the video is just that his getting fouled is sort of masking some of those inefficiencies. Like, I don't think that it's going to be like a viable option for them forever. Like, uh, I think that he's going to have to balance it out and get a little more dynamic, um, play off the ball. Um, because, Somebody that I thought was interesting, I don't know if you've ever watched Kyle Lowry in the NBA, like kind of the way he is. Now, I think Fox um, is a little different style of a player. Like Lowry's a little more of a bully guard, but Lowry off the ball, like in handoffs, is really, really impressive. Um, I think that Fox is going to, if he like starts to develop some of those off ball skills to sort of round out his what he offers. Um, I think he could be the conclusion that I come to not to sort of bury the lead. I don't, I don't think it will, uh, but, or, or may, the video still, I think would be worth watching, but I think that he's going to sort of get in. He's the problem with the West for him is that he could get good enough to be in the all-star discussion, but uh, there's so many guys that are in this sort of yeah. age group ahead of him that there's going to need to be like a literal changing of the guard, like Steph Harden, uh, you know, Lillard, McCollum, um, some of those guys are going to need to start to age a little bit. And Fox is going to have to really assert himself to jump into that, yeah, that if, category. If he was in the East, he's he's going to make the all-star team soon. But I don't know. I don't know about the West. That's like always it's the perpetual problem <laughs> for like every position in the West. It's really uh, stupid. Like, because his peers are, you know, Booker, um, which Booker is a better player than him overall, I would say right now in terms of all the different things he adds. But Donovan Mitchell, you know, D'Angelo Russell, guys like that. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, and just yeah, controlling his speed and and uh, and and you know, diversifying as as a as a playmaker, things like that, because he's still a little careless with the ball. But uh, yeah, Fox is a. Uh, he's a more competitive guy than you would expect. Like, uh, he's, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of had come down on him a little bit, but, uh, I, I'm, uh, excited to see watching him. Yeah. I'm not like crazy, crazy up. I still think Shay could end up ultimately being a more impactful, like winning basketball type player, but Fox's individual numbers are going to be really high. They love him in Sacramento, man. Like he's, yeah. he's insanely popular out there. So Shay, by the way, the cover boy of the, uh, Oklahoma newspaper, uh, I saw the that. Oklahoman, um, their their NBA preview section, Shea Gilgis Alexander, officially now the the face of the franchise, and they even have Chris Paul there. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, I think everybody involved knows that he's just sort of a rental, but uh, <laughs> very expensive rental. Yeah, right. Chris, yeah, uh, forty to the tune of like what forty two million dollars yeah. a year. He's the Ferrari of rentals. Yeah. Um, oh my god! For, by the way, as I'm watching highlights, Fred Van Vliet. Ladies and gentlemen, 34 points tonight, <laughs> uh, career high in the season opener for Toronto. 
They're going to need somebody to, to uh, take up th- some of the slack from uh, Kawhi leaving. And uh, you talk about guy you didn't expect to be the best pro from a team. Totally, man. I mean, him, he was a great college player. But if you watched, especially if you watched the last game against Kentucky, that classic throwdown in 2014, if you didn't think Clee Anthony early was going to be the best pro on Wichita State's team, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, he had like an out of body experience that day. But two, like, yeah, if you just if you just watched that matchup that day and you told me, all right, James Young, the Harrison twins, Clee Anthony early, Ron Baker, which of these six <laughs> guys are going to be in the NBA in what six years, five years? Yeah. Uh, Ron Baker's still in the league, right? He's, I think he's on the fringe. Like he might be out now. Okay. Actually, I think he signed a European deal. Okay, he I'm was in the mistaken. league last year, right, with the Knicks. He's, yeah, he's flirted with the edge. I think he played with the Wizards a little bit last year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But uh, yeah, man, Fred Van Vliet and <laughs> neither Harrison Twin is on a roster. James Young hasn't been on a roster in forever. Clay Anthony Early, I don't know. He, I think he played like ten NBA games. Um, he was with the Knicks for a full year. I'm pretty I don't think he played sure. much. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, and now he's like somewhere overseas. Uh, but Fred Van Vliet is like a bona fide NBA basketball player. I assume. Yeah. I guess he's a starter if he dropped 34 points tonight. Yeah. Well, he's uh, got a ring. There's gonna be uh, there's gonna be minutes. And he there played a him. you know he played a a big role for them. Uh, last year, not a big role, but a significant role. Uh, 56 yeah. games total in NBA games for Clay Anthony early. Yeah, a lot of G League, I would assume, in there. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, go and uh, go and check that out for me. Let me know what you think, uh, which is actually literally what I say. Actually, no, I say let me know if you agree at the end of every video. Uh, I forgot my own catchphrase. So, uh, go and read Kyle's article on The Athletic and read those as they come out. And uh, give us a review. Follow us on Twitter, at Man and at KyleTucker underscore A-T-H. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. See you. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.